Episode 43, Understanding and Improving Your Advertising with the Technology from Google My Business. My conversation with Ronnie Deaver of No Bull Marketing. I'm Michael D. Eisenberg. I'm the Tech Savvy Lawyer, blogging at the techsavvylawyer.page and host of the techsavvylawyer.page podcast. In this podcast series, I'll be interviewing lawyers, judges, and others in the area of law to talk about where they see lawyers new and seasoned, taking advantage of technology in their legal work, and how all lawyers can utilize technology to better their practice, improve their services to their clients, and enhance their own lives. Ronnie Deaver is the CEO of Don't Bull Marketing, a lawyer-exclusive marketing agency that specializes in generating leads that utilizes the technology from Google My Business. Enjoy. Ronnie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm thrilled to have you here. And to get things started, tell us, what is your current tech setup? Yeah, so my current tech setup and the most thing I'm most excited about that's changed my life has been, uh, I'm rocking a 35-inch curved monitor. Uh, yeah. Change the game. Change the game for me. Um, why is that? Well, uh, the big thing is like when you're using multiple monitors, okay? Mm-hmm. I used to have that setup, right? Uh, there's this thing. Have you ever walked, have you ever been in a room, had a thought like, I need to go grab my car keys, and then you walk into the next room and you completely forget that you needed to grab car keys? You ever done that before? That happens all the time, sadly. Well, the basic reason for that, and I'm no neuroscientist here, but the basic reason for that is your mind associates the room you were in that you had the thought with those keys. Okay. So if you went back in that room, which often you do, you often remember the thing you were trying to do. So anyways, that association with thought is really important because when you're working on multiple monitors, especially if you're trying to move things between multiple monitors, your mind associates that thought you were having say on work with that screen. So if you try to move it to the next screen, there's like a little mental load that happens because your mind has to put extra effort to reassociate the previous thought with the previous screen on the next screen. And I was shocked just how much less mental load I had during my day, because now I could fit three different separate screens using the uh, Apple, uh, not Apple, uh, Windows snapping function. I could have three different screens all on one screen, right? And have everything associated with one screen. And suddenly my mental load has dropped by like 50%. My day is easier. I'm way less stressed. Like it had a massive impact compared to just flopping, you know, going back and forth between screens. And I didn't know it until I had one. So 35 inch monitor has changed the game. Now, I remember you and I discussed this off mic and I have a three monitor set, set up where both of my monitors are close to the main one. Yeah. Um, but you thought that still wasn't good enough. Why was that? Well, because I mean, even with a minimal bezel, even at the end of the day, especially with how far these are, if you've got, even, you know, I used to have three 27 inch monitors, right? So uh, they're quite, quite far from me. You know, they're, they're close with the minimal bezel, but they're still quite far. When you're looking all the way to the left, you're still enough to where you you lose on your right side vision of whatever you had on the other screen. Certainly when you start mentally focused, like when you start looking and staring into that screen, mm-hmm. you stop having awareness of the other side, right? So whether you like it or not, your brain stops associating what you're doing with any of those other screens because you can't see it. You're not focusing on it. You have to turn your head all the way back, right? And it's not that you're going to lose the thought, right? You're probably not. It's close enough that you can recall it. But that mental load, it's just, it's a slight boost, right? But you're making that head turn thousands of times a day, right? So even a very small increase in mental load times a thousand times a week, right? Adds up really, really quickly. And I didn't know that, man, until I had this monitor. And oh my gosh, it has, it, I can't just, I am so much happier. <laughs> I didn't even know, again, I didn't even know this was a problem 
I had no idea. I didn't buy it knowing that, right? I, I noticed it immediately afterward. Like, huh, man, my day's just easier. I just feel like this was huh. oh, just, it's just better. I mean, here's the thing. The multi-monitor thing is fine if like you're just doing total unique things on each monitor, right? right? right. I, I know some people that just have like a constant stream of data on one screen where mm-hmm. nothing else is happening. It's just, that's all that screen does. That's fine. You don't need to move those things. But for me, what I was doing inevitably was on one screen was something I needed to copy paste. And in the middle, I was copy pasting it into there. And on the right was an image I needed to download, right? To then upload mm-hmm, into the middle. Mm-hmm. So I was constantly moving between screens, right? And as you can imagine, every screen moving between them, boom, little mental load, little mental load, little mental load, right? So I can't prove this. And I'm just giving it based on my, you know, my feeling and anecdotal experience here. Um, but I'm telling you, man, holy cow, is my, my, my mental load has dropped by no less than 50% just by getting a, a curved monitor. Well, I think someone has a book to write. <laughs> yeah. You know. Let me go get my neuroscience degree <laughs> and, uh, and <laughs> start writing that book. Um, well, I mean, maybe, t- man. Well, tell us uh, who makes your 35-inch curved monitor. Yeah, so I'm working with a BenQ. I don't know if that's exactly it. Maybe it's BenQ. Yep. No, BenQ. Yeah, I know it. I'm familiar with it. There you go. So 35-inch BenQ, and it's technically a gaming monitor, right? But don't let that scare you. Well, you know, gaming products have kind of come to light in the last couple of years with the whole work from home that people are finding that the gaming products, the headsets, the chairs, the mics, the cameras... Uh, all are of really high quality and yeah. really serve a purpose, especially when you know we're having a, a reduction of inventory on some of the more other commonly used or brand name products that you would see in business. Actually, yeah. I, I did a podcast just last week where um, the guest was using a gaming headset for his, yep. uh, his headphones and his mic. And he sounded I great. Mean- I'm technically using, I mean, that's not what I'm recording on right now, but I'm wearing a uh, Bose gaming headset and my computer, and this is the second kind of part of my tech setup that I will recommend to anybody is if you have a computer that is way more powerful than you need, mm-hmm. holy cow, do you notice the difference, right? Mm-hmm. You, and I didn't even know, I thought I had a very powerful laptop. I really did. I, I, and I put a lot of effort. I made sure I had an i7 that it had the, the most powerful i7 I could get that had plenty of extra RAM, like 16 gigabytes. I had a solid state hard drive, right? Like uh, I even had an, an extra onboard graphics card. All right. So okay. like it's a beast, right? Like I, right. I put effort into making sure that I had a good laptop. Okay. But that didn't even, it pales in comparison to the computer. I just got done building. Now you don't have to build your own computer. You can either, you can build, pay somebody else to do it or just get a very expensive one. Right. Right. Uh, but, but I built my own computer and I put way more power in it than I need. Right. Like insane. Right. Amount of power. Yep. I spent a lot of money on this thing. Okay. Um, and now I, oh my gosh, everything I do loads in a second, right? And I have 50 tabs open. It doesn't matter how many tabs I have. Mm-hmm, I can mm-hmm. have, a, I can have a no, a, a unlimited tabs open and I still have a second load time, right? So like my day a second with the screen is now I'm not using mental load. And on top of that, I'm not waiting as much, right? right. And again, right. you don't realize that even a one second waiting time, yep. right? When you're doing a hundred to 200, 300 things in a day. I mean, there's some things, a lot of lawyers, they're sending a hundred emails a day. Right. Mm-hmm. And if every email takes one second longer to send, right. Right. Yeah. That's a yep. hundred seconds. It adds up. Like it, 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 it adds does. Up. And I've always purchased computers that were a little more powerful than what I needed. And now that I'm getting more into content creation, I'm yep. actually buying something even super duper that I can nice. use for both the podcast and the blog and also for work. Um, oh man, but, it's amazing. But wait, I'm sorry. So you built your own computer. Yep. Uh, Tell us what other uh, tech devices are you using? What's your, what's your cell phone? 
Uh, well, right now, uh, unfortunately, I have an old iPhone SE, and I will be uploading, uh, upgrading soon to the uh, iPhone uh, 13. I won't be going to the um, the Mac I, I, iPhone 13 Pro, not the uh, the Max. That's too big. I like I like a smaller phone. <laughs> well, well, didn't the uh, well the Apple came out with a new SE version? I thought. They did, but it's um it's less powerful, and that same thing okay. is true that I don't I don't want to wait, you know. So the, right. the sizing it's a little smaller, um, mm -hmm. the SE, um, but the it's only slightly smaller, and I'd rather have a slightly bigger phone and not have a wait wait time right. and load time because I use my phone for work, right? And again, just coming mm -hmm. and again, just realizing this from experience, like, holy cow, that one second makes a difference. It really does. And if nothing else, the other thing you consider is that like. Sure, that one second, even if it only adds up to an extra minute or two or a day, mm -hmm. you, you got to remember, but you're emotionally frustrated with it every time. Like every time I'm a little annoyed that I'm still waiting for it to load, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, that emo that's a lot of annoyed in a day. That's a hundred moments of being annoyed. Like that, that adds up to a less good day, right? <laughs> like you know, Ronnie, I have the iPhone 13 Pro Max and mm -hmm. I personally love the bigger screen, but it does have a slightly better processor, I believe, but I know it has, I know for sure it has a better camera. Uh, I know, uh, you're gonna try to sell me on it, I know. I might do the Pro, the Pro Max, I just gotta get over having a large screen again. It's, uh, it's so big. <laughs> I hold my wife's phone, she has an iPhone 13. Yeah. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry, she has an iPhone, she has an iPhone 11? 11. She, she, she I trade mine in on the, on the um, the leasing program that Apple offers. So I trade yeah. mine in every year, but I, she bought hers several years back. She has, but whatever it is, it's like the iPhone 13 regular size. And it just feels yeah. so small in my hands. Um, <laughs> and I, I think I'm uh, a little bit older than you, perhaps by a couple decades. So <laughs> for my eyes, the, the larger screen is actually quite nice. Yeah. Yeah. That so, makes sense. What other tech devices have you got in your office that you're willing to share? Yeah, I mean, the next one that's, uh, there's two that got coming to mind. One that's not here yet and one that is here. Uh, <laughs> one that I've, I've got right now that's changed the game for me is uh, obviously speaking of speed here, speed of internet, right? So obviously mm -hmm. I have Verizon uh, gigabit Fios internet, yeah, right? Like, yeah, same here. But, but, but the thing is that internet is only as fast as the router that you have. Right, if yeah. you're going to do Wi-Fi, and certainly you're never going to get the speeds if you could hardwire into it. Unfortunately, right. my my internet comes into the basement. My uh, office gotcha. is not in the basement, uh, so hardwiring, right. and I, I don't have hardwires in the walls, and so I could, but that's a very big project, and I haven't done it yet. So, second to that, uh, I had to find a way. How do I get the best out of my Wi-Fi? Right, right. And so, what I ended up doing was I set it up uh, at two separate units of three of the Google Wi-Fi system. Okay. okay. And so what that does is it creates mesh throughout your yep. house. So basically it's got six independent units that connect yep. all throughout the house, right? So I've got six of them all throughout the house and they mesh together to create a way better Wi-Fi system. So that was already fast, right? That was great. So right. now I've got a mesh internet way better than a single router system right, or, right. or an extender system, right? Like yep. the extender system is not nearly, it's completely inferior to a, a Google Wi-Fi system. Why is that? Well, it's been a while since I used one, but the main reason is for me, uh, is I've seen they create a separate Wi-Fi network. So they right. take basically they take the Wi-Fi that they receive, and mm -hmm. then they have another antenna that redistributes it, right? Okay. And then it but it makes a separate network. So you have to attach to that new network. So instead of it okay. being say house, house, it's house one or house two or house three for right. each extender. Okay. Now they may have okay. fixed that, and they may have made it a little bit better. But back in the day when I was doing this, Google Wi-Fi really kind of uh, revolutionized it by making it an actual mesh where like. I connect to the same Wi-Fi mm -hmm. anywhere in the house because it is the same Wi-Fi. It's the same right. thing. 
right? So, and that's unique, unique to the Google Wi-Fi system and other mesh-based systems. Is that then a repeater? Uh, I don't know the exact technique. In that sense, yes, it is. But the way that it's running throughout its systems is that it all runs through one same, the, the same network, the same, you know, again, we're a little beyond my knowledge here. Right. But, uh, my understanding uh, uh, of it, it all runs through the same network and it all runs through the same data flow rather than what might happen on the other system where you have these right, kind right. of independent data flows that are getting resent and redone. I, I'm going to have to look that one up and I'll, I'll put some something in the show notes just to yeah, make sure cool. we're using the proper terms for the- proper... And whatever I just said, if it was all BS, I apologize to anyone listening. <laughs> uh, please feel free to correct me in the comments. Uh, I have no pride on such things. But the the, the further point of what I did with it is, uh, so the, the Wi-Fi was already faster doing a mesh network regardless, but then what really changed it was I then did a hard line connection mm -hmm. from one of my mesh units, right? Because mm -hmm. it has a, it has its own. You can connect right. an Ethernet cord to it, and I Etherneted that direct to my computer. Okay. Okay. So on this Wi-Fi network, when I did, when I only did Wi-Fi, I got maybe forty megabits per second, right? Okay. Which is pretty. It's not bad. That's quite good for a Wi-Fi system. But when I put it with the Ethernet, I got one hundred and sixty. Nice. One hundred and sixty <laughs> down, one hundred and sixty up. Okay. Nice. Which, of course, on a gigabit, you know, technically, what's possible in a gigabit would be a thousand. But again, that's not going to happen on a Wi-Fi. It's just not. Um, so, uh, and for getting 160 out of a thousand possible, I'm not complaining. Now is the Google Wi-Fi serving as a router, the router, or do you still yes. have the, uh, do no, you still have Verizon's? Router. So you, you don't have Verizon's, uh, no, but I declined their, their, uh, okay. their router. Yeah. You don't need it at all. The, um, the, basically their little modem unit, it's not technically mm -hmm. called a modem, but there's mm -hmm. a little unit that they install. Right. It has an ethernet out that ethernet. I just throw that right into the, uh, Google Wi-Fi and that's, that's my Google Wi-Fi right there. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you sharing that, but let's get into the questions. What are three misconceptions lawyers have about the use or need of Google business? Well, first let's, um, I want to define, uh, let's talk to people. What is Google business? Okay. Uh, it's also known as Google, my business. That's what yeah. everybody's known it as, but Google business has recently been renamed for whatever reason. Um, so Google, my business or Google business that if you've ever done a Google search, uh, say a restaurant near me, or even a lawyer near me, the first result you see is Google ads that might look mm -hmm. like a local service ad, which sometimes has an image of a lawyer that's relatively new, but that's local service ads or your text ads. Okay. So that's first. The second thing you see, if you see reviews, right? If you see a map, otherwise known as the map pack, the three mm -hmm. pack, three pack, uh, Google, my business, Google business, that's Google business. All right. Um, all so that's right. what we're talking about. And you'll notice at least nowadays, it didn't used to be true. Uh, Google business actually shows up before traditional organic results, right? Below okay. that, right? Your normal, that's what, when people used to say, I want to rank one on Google, what they meant was that right there, traditional organic results. Okay. Right. But used to be, that was on top of the map. You'd get a couple organic results and then you get the map, but now you get the map right after ads. Okay. So the map or Google business, Google my business is literally on top of organic results. So it's it, it, majority of people see that before they actually see an organic result. So there's a lot of opportunity for leading case growth uh, and generation because it's actually there first below ads and above traditional organic search. So the name of the game now for a lot of lawyers is not you know trying to rank one quote unquote for an organic result like that. It really is show up more often on the map pack and or Google business. So that's Google business. Uh, and now we move on to like, what is the kind of you know, top three misconceptions that lawyers have? Well, the first one is it's not a set and forget profile. Okay. And what I mean by that is a lot of lawyers, they're like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, I have one of those things, you know, it, it doesn't really do much for me, but 
you know, like I, I put my name on and I put some information in. I, I loaded it up like it was a Justia profile or like it was an Avo profile or like it was any kind of other set and forget profile, of which there are many. Uh, and they just let it be there. And they're like, well, you know, whatever, whatever happens, whatever happens. And so the biggest misconception is that it's a set and forget platform. And it is not. It is, in fact, a very living and active platform, much closer to a social platform than it is to uh, a set and forget directory listing, even though it's classified as a directory. Um, as you'll, you know, we'll find out as we talk more about what you can do here. And I've got other materials we can link to, um, if you'd like on going into the real details, there's a lot of proactive stuff you can do on Google business. Not only can you fill it out fully, but you can add all of your products. You can add all of your services. You can make weekly posts. You can make weekly upload, weekly photos. Um, you can post questions and answers. You can get reviews proactively. Um, you can respond to those reviews proactively. There's a lot of kind of just ongoing grunt work, which is effectively what people pay me to do is just a lot of grunt work right? That if you put that grunt work into that profile, what'll end up happening is you're going to end up more often showing up in a top three results when somebody does that search for say criminal lawyer near me or mm -hmm. family lawyer near me or whatever. Right. And of course, as anyone knows, you're never going to show up number one, 100% of the time that just doesn't happen. But the goal is not to show up number one, 100% of the time. It's to increase the percentage of time that you do show up number one. Right. And that's otherwise known as market share or share of local voice, lots of different okay. ways of saying it, but you know, depending on your market, you know, if you're in the middle of nowhere, you probably want to get 30 or 40% of the market because that's going to be, you know, maybe a hundred calls a month. If you're in Los Angeles, if you got 1% of the market, you're sitting pretty, <laughs> even 2%, right? right? You'd be like, Holy cow, you'd be overwhelmed. Uh, so the percentage itself is going to change really dependent on the size of the market. Uh, but again, the goal there is never going to be, I'm number one, 100% of the time. I own it. I dominate it. Well, that doesn't happen. That's not the name of the game of Google My Business. It's just about increasing the percentage of time that you do show up number one. Right. So that, so that that turns into more calls. So that's the first kind of major uh, misconception. Do you uh, have any thoughts on that? You, you know, it's just, it is amazing that I do get calls that are just still not related to anything that I've marketed for the mm -hmm. business. Um mm -hmm. Or things that are just like so tangential, you gotta wonder, like, well, I heard you handle this. I'm like, yeah, but I I that that is like an odd thing that doesn't come up anywhere. It's it's yeah. just interesting sometimes that the oddball calls that we get. But you've said you hit two more. Yeah, but I, I actually want to address the oddball call thing. Mm -hmm. I find that um that's a thing that happens, especially early on in the campaign, or like I say early, when your Google My Business profile uh, or Google Business profile is less established, I get a mm -hmm. lot of what I see with, uh, I see a lot with that is um, Google's really trying to figure out what you're a specialty in and what people are right. most satisfied with you. And so they kind of test you out in different markets. And so when I've seen with more mature campaigns and people who've spent six months, 12 months, a year plus, like really working into the campaign, it starts to hone itself. So a criminal lawyer really just gets criminal cases. They're getting right. less of like, criminal deportation, right? They start getting right. less of that. Because Google's like, well, you're not really an immigration lawyer, man, even though they said criminal and immigration, right? Like right. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's exactly sort of what I'm talking about. And, you know, to be honest, I've been on uh, Google My Business for several years. You know, I was on Google My Business before it was Google My Business. It's just, but I, I think what you're saying with regards to how they experiment may explain those calls that I do get. I don't get them regularly. I do get them every now and then. It's just Got always... It, yeah. I got one yesterday and it just was kind of like, okay, that's, that's unique, but nothing that I, nothing that I handle. Um, and you never know what people search, man. Like people don't know what they're looking for, you know? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, so you can't control it perfectly, but, um, but anyway, when, I say, when I say this was oddball, I, I mean, it was oddball, but, but I'm sorry, you were saying. 
No, nah, crazies will be crazies. I get it. <laughs> so you had two more. I do. So this, the second misconception uh, that I see happen most frequently is uh, people think that they need to be doing a lot of other things. And what I mean by that, this is actually really relevant is I'm gonna give you some backstory here. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've set up call tracking and form tracking and live chat tracking on about 150 plus to 200 campaigns. Okay. Uh, lawyers, specifically lawyers. It's not any other types of campaigns, just lawyer campaigns, everything mm -hmm. you can think of personal injury, criminal immigration, family, I've done it. All right. And what I found every single time when I tracked where every lead came from, it was that 60 to 80% of all leads came directly from or indirectly from Google My Business, 60 to 80%. All right. That is a huge percentage. All right. And yet, despite finding that the majority of calls come from Google My Business or can be directly or indirectly attributed to it, people are spending all this time worrying about being on Facebook and being on LinkedIn and being on referral and being on this and that and billboards and cards and, and just endless list of things. And they're paying these marketers to help them run TikTok ads and, and post on Instagram and post on Twitter and post on whatever. And they're spending all this money in all these different places, but then they're not or they're doing a traditional SEO and then they don't, they haven't gotten a review on Google My Business in three years or they, they put no effort right. into the profile. And like, so they're just doing everything but the biggest lever in their marketing. And that's what blew my mind, right? Was that people, I'm like, I've just done the tracking, man. I'm not, I'm not trying to sell you nothing. This is, this is just the data. I can pull up right. current clients right now where I've got full tracking set up and 60 to 80% of their calls every single time come from Google Business Profile, right? And despite that, most people aren't putting the effort into that profile. They're putting the effort in all these other tangential things, which admittedly help the Google business profile. I'm not saying it's worthless, but they're not putting the main effort into the main thing that right, drives right. the result, right? And again, that goes back to the first misconception of people thinking it's set and forget. And two, I, I think it just comes from um, getting excited about all the different things you could do and not, not really having the data of where you should be focusing. And uh, oh my gosh, the data overwhelmingly says focus on Google business first as your foundation. Right, before right. you go and do a bunch of other stuff. And, and I think you sort of touched on a part where you have to look at your whole marketing package that yes, yeah. Google, my business may be the anchor, but for some people, Facebook might be a good secondary for other people. It might be um, Jukedica, I think it was that you referenced or Avo, you know, Avo, those, those might be the best or simply word of mouth or a particular publication. Yep. Um, I mean, they're all, those are all good secondaries, but right. here's what I tell everybody. All roads lead to Google business. Mm -hmm. You're on that Facebook page. Somebody looks at your name. What's the first thing they do? They Google you to go look at your reviews. That's what they do. You get referred for some referrals. I've had client, I've had lawyers where they had bad reviews on, on, um, on their Google business profile. And even though they got referred from somebody, that person decided not to call them because oh, they wow. didn't, uh, because they, the bad reviews on Google, right? It happens. So it all roads lead to Google business. So again, I'm very big fan of like, absolutely do all these other avenues, but understand that most of the time or many of the times, even if they came from other sources, they're probably going to go look at your Google business profile. All right. Well, hold on. Then I got to ask you, what are three things that an attorney can do when dealing with a bad review on Google My Business? Yeah. Number one, stop caring about it. Give up on it. I mean that seriously. Here's mm -hmm. the thing. The best, the best defense you have against a bad review is good mm -hmm. reviews. That's it. More good reviews. Offense. Have it instead of being uh, defensive, be offensive. Okay. Mm -hmm. Most lawyers are like, oh, I got 24 reviews and I got one bad review. I'm like, all right, we'll get 24 more. Right. right. And like, like you're fine. One bad review against 24 good ones is it's it's not a problem right like and here's the thing most of the time people actually would rather after about 30 reviews if you have no negative reviews people stop believing you 
They think you're lying. They think something's right. up. They th- they're suspicious, right? People mm. put their, oh, that doesn't seem real. So like after 30 plus reviews, you actually want to have like one bad review just so you look more legit, right? And right. on top of that, if you, if you respond well, hey, I really care about your problem. I want to do my best to do well by you. Please contact me. Whatever the normal corporate speak is, most people are like, okay, that seems reasonable. Don't go rage on the person. This is a fake review. You're a terrible person. Rada, 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 rada. Here's my, my proof that I'm taking you to court and da, 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 right. da, da. I got so many lawyers. They want to go to war over this bad review. And I'm like, oh my God, that hurts you. First of all, you're right. going to get less calls because of that. So right, it's not right. worth your pride. Get over your pride. Like that's dumb. And um, secondly, like you're putting all this emotional energy into getting, you know, getting rid of one bad review. You're way better off trying to get five good reviews. It's so much right. easier to get one good review, sorry, five good reviews than it is to try to fight Google to remove one bad review. Like it's honestly like twofold easier. It just is like, and we'll talk about it in a minute. I was going to talk about my third misconception. We're actually kind of getting close to it about reviews and stuff. And we'll talk about a little bit about, you know, how, what you can do to generate more reviews. Uh, but suffice to say, it's a lot easier than you might think to generate positive reviews um, and to not worry about those negative reviews. So honestly, the answer is, hey, if you're getting a bad review and you're trying to fight it, just stop. Like respond right. as well and kindly as you can. Do be as professional as you can. Say, hey, I care about your issue. That's not the value we strive towards. We want to do better than that. We want to make it right. Please call me here and we'll help make it right. Chances are that person's never going to call you. Okay. But on the outside, you look like you handled it professionally. You look like you handled it well. You look like you cared. Okay. And then go back to your happy self, move on and get five more reviews. Right. That's it. Right. Because okay. here's the thing, getting more reviews. Here's the other thing. Even if you did remove that bad review, removing one bad review doesn't help your campaign perform better. Not much. Right. It made okay. people make me make people look suspicious because again, if you have no bad reviews, they don't believe you anyway. Right, right. right. And what Google wants, if you want to rank higher, again, increase that market share is that you need more reviews. So you just removed a review that doesn't help you that much. you kind of, you fulfill your pride more than you fulfill your bank. That's all I'm saying. Gotcha. So getting gotcha. rid of a bad review is mostly about your pride. It's not actually about what works. So move Makes on. Sense. So let's move on to the third suggestion. Let's move on to the last answer for the first question. Absolutely. So the third kind of major misconception is uh, people think getting reviews is impossible, right? And I get it. I really do, right? If you're if you're a family lawyer, you're like, I do divorces all the time. Who wants to talk about their divorce? Or I get criminal lawyers and like, man, I just took a I just took a sex offender out of jail. Like, I don't think he wants to leave a review, right? And I get it. I, I honestly get it. So first of all, though, you'd be shocked. Um, if you haven't asked them, you don't know that. So don't make that decision for people. Okay. Uh, right. you never know. I know some people who wear on the, wear with pride that they had a felony. They're like, yeah, man, I had a felony. What's up. Right. Like, they're like yeah, I'll leave your review. Yeah. It's like bragging for them. Right. <laughs> so you don't know that you, you have no idea the values of the people you're asking and whether or not they'll leave a review. Okay. Um, but the second thing is, uh, and a common myth here is that a lot of lawyers think that they can only get reviews from happy paying clients, right? So they think, oh, but I only close like one case a month, two cases a month. How can I ever, you know, get, you know, reviews from that many cases or whatever their caseload is, you know, it could be five, six, seven, it doesn't really matter, but they think they can only get reviews when a case is closed and if the client is happy, right? Which of course is a very limited number on an annual basis. That's not true. The only requirement is, is that you had to have given some form of legal value to that person. So let me give you an example. Everyone, this is the telling this blows every lawyer's mind. It's immediately obvious. If you're an estate planning lawyer, every quarter, you often are hosting an in-person seminar at a nursing home in front of 60 people. You maybe get three or four clients out of that two-hour seminar that you hosted. But what you can do at the end of it is ask all 60 attendees to leave your review. And a lot of the times I had clients who were getting 15 to 20 extra reviews every three months for a seminar they were already doing. Oh, 
And then I also have lawyers that they do free consultations and they spend 30 minutes with that person. And by the end of it, that person's very thankful, but maybe they're the wrong person. That's not the person they want yeah. to work with, whatever have you. And if you gave them value again, at the end of that free consultation, ask for a review. I've got clients who get two or three reviews a month just from free consultations. They're already doing. So you might as well get a review out of it because at least you're getting paid for it effectively. Right. So was, I, I had one guy where he had no sources. All right. He was brand new. Wasn't getting that many calls. You know, he didn't have a lot of opportunities. And I took, I went into a Facebook group called Los Angeles Assistance. All right. 35,000 people in it. Okay. And it's just a group where people try to help each other out when they're through tough times. Right. And it's very active and well modded. Made a deal with the founder of that group. And I said, look, I got an attorney who's happy to do a question and answer session if you don't mind him asking for reviews. And they said, yes. And so I got that new attorney in there. He did a Q&A session, you know, 15, 20 people asked him questions and he got five, 10 reviews out of it right there. Oh, okay. So there are lots of really crafty ways that you can get reviews. You just have to keep in mind, as long as you provided some legitimate form of legal value, you can ask for a review, all right? And let me give you, why does all this matter? Well, the ranking, in terms of ranking factor in Google business, right? Google business profile, this is not fully, you know, proven, but we're always guessing with Google, but our guesses right now are about 35% of the ranking factor can be directly attributed to reviews uh, in terms of review count and review velocity, review velocity, meaning how often or frequently do you get reviews, right? Once a week, twice a week, whatever, right? Um, so 35% of your ranking factor is just reviews. Okay. And if you take that math, I said earlier, where 60 mm -hmm. to 80% of my clients calls come from Google business mm -hmm. profile right? And 35% of Google business profile ranking can be attributed to reviews. Put that another way, at least 25% of every call and every new lead you receive can be directly and indirectly attributed to Google business profile reviews. Like that is huge. Not anywhere else, not Facebook reviews, not Yelp reviews, just Google business reviews. And of course, that's not even including the people who get referred to you and decide to call you because you actually have sufficient reviews and they like the reviews. Well, right? you, I think you're sort of bleeding into the second question. Uh, with this last answer. What are three simple tricks attorneys can use to improve their Google My Business? So if you don't mind, uh, Mike, do you mind if we link to another podcast? Sure. Absolutely. So the reason I'm asking that is that uh, there's a podcast I recorded with top 1.5% podcaster and lawyer, Susan Guthrie. All right. So Ooh. she's in the mediation space, but don't let the mediation bits uh, fool you. I actually recorded a very in-depth kind of tutorial-based hour-long podcast explaining the exact independent details of what you can do to fill out a Google business profile and take advantage of um, everything there is. So I'm going to cover it on a high level in your, in regards to your question, but if anybody wants the details, check yep. out the show notes, yep. go to that link with Susan Guthrie and check out that podcast. But first thing you can do, it's pretty obvious, fill it out fully. All right. So put in all your information, actually take the time to really fill it out. All right. Like you can put your description, you can put um, one of the big ones that people don't realize is you can put all your services in there. So on the back end, you can actually break out all your services. So for example, uh, if you're a criminal lawyer, you're not just a criminal lawyer. You don't just do drug crimes. You do Xanax crimes. You do uh, meth crimes. You do marijuana crimes. You do whatever. Like you can break out like my, my criminal lawyers, I tend to break it out into at least a hundred different services. All right. And you can fill that out all in the back end of Google, my business. All right. Same thing with products. Products are just no, basically the same thing as services, uh, but you tend to stay a more high level. So I, instead of doing like meth lawyer, I just do drug crime lawyer. Right. Right. And I put that uh, on the product section, put a little photo with it in the description. Again, just fully filling it out, make it very clear to Google exactly what you do and make it easy for them to rank you, make it easy for them to show you up when somebody, because people make those searches. People want a specialist. They're going to make that search. They're going to say, I need a meth, you know, meth crime lawyer near me. They're going to type that, right? And if you put that in your listing, not only are you more likely to rank, but when that shows up, when you show up on the map, Google does a really cool thing where it literally says, 
this company sir, uh, provides meth lawyer, right? Like they literally put, however, what do you type in, right? Like meth crime lawyer. Like it'll literally say you provide that service directly if you put the services in there. If you don't, then it doesn't show up. That you, you might rank, but you won't have any of the, the thing that makes you look better, right? So anyways, you can fill out products, you can fill out services, you can fill out your description fully. You can just really put as much effort, put, add the photos, make sure your logo is there, cover, just fill things out as much as you can. All right, so that's step one. Actually fill things out, do a proper setup, all right? Step two, right, is put in consistent effort every month, okay? So what that means is get reviews every month, respond to reviews every month, upload photos every week or month, upload posts every week, every month, be active on the profile. If there's anything, if I ask you this question, what is Google like? Google likes Google. That's right. it. So if you, if you, that's all they like, they like Google. What's Google like? Google. So if you want to rank higher, what do you need to do? Like Google, right? Post just, on Google. Just yeah. Be commit to Google. And here's the thing. It's a terrible social platform. Who cares how many profile views you get? You're going to get almost none. I get emails like your post got 10 views. And I'm like, who cares? Unsubscribe from that email. I don't care how many profiles, I don't care how many views I got on that post. It's irrelevant. I just do it because it makes you rank higher, right? So I do the grunt work because Google likes it and you rank more. I'm just seeing the correlation, right? If I put more effort into the profile, it ranks better. You look more active. Google gets to scan it. They get more information about you. You link to pages on your website. It's awesome, right? Google's thrilled. So that's just another ranking signal, right? So don't be active. So that's the second thing you can do. The third thing uh, you can do, and this is um, kind of related to number two, is if you get the time, uh, go in and publish questions and answers. And I'm actually separating this out just because it's, it's a thing that people don't even realize. Okay. But questions and answers are a function on Google My Business, Google Business Profile, that usually what people expect is that, hey, a customer is going to ask a question and then you get to answer it. But here's the thing. Nobody who wants a timely answer to a question is ever going to post on your business profile and wait for you to answer it. God knows when, if ever, right? Like right. That, it's effectively a failed function. No question will ever ask it, right? Like sure that happens on an Amazon product sometimes, but it's never going to happen on your Google business profile. People do not ask questions and answer them. However, you can ask yourself a question on another account. Like we have an account called Gail Poster. You can ask yourself a question and you can answer that question back. Okay. And so on our accounts, I got a client right now who's got 50 questions and answers right now. And so we've added thousands of words to that profile that helps Google understand exactly what you do. Cause we're asking questions like, what is a, what does a criminal lawyer do? What is a meth crime? How to defend against a meth crime? How to whatever we're asking these questions. Right. And we're just throwing in keywords and expertise and trust and authority because we're answering these questions fairly in depth. Right. And we're adding 10 of them every single month. Okay. So that's kind of my pro tip. Number three that I found makes a huge difference because you can add a lot of authority, a lot of content, make it easy for Google to understand who you are. And really just kind of put that grunt work into the profile and Google will reward you. At the end of the day, this is just grunt work. It's no magic. It's not a magic pill. It's not black magic. It really is just put a lot of grunt work into the profile and you're going to see gain. Excellent. I appreciate you sharing that. Let's move on to our last question. What are three ways Noble Marketing stands out from its competition? Yeah, I don't know if you mind, but I, I'm kind of going to answer all three in just one major thing that we do because we, we, are, we are very big on this. Uh, well, the number one thing is that we actually guarantee our campaigns are profitable in three months or less, or it's free. Okay. And so, I mean, there's a lot else we do, but really it all comes down to that. So at the end of the day, if you work with us, say, for example, you spent $1,500 a month on our services over a period of three months, you'll spend $4,500. I guarantee that by the end of the third month, you'll have made at least $4,500 back in gross profit. So that's, you know, depending on your practice, somewhere between 60 to 80% gross profit. So you need to make at least that much back, which is usually somewhere between minimum $5,600 in revenue upwards to about mm -hmm. $7,500 in revenue, right? So you've made at least that much back minimum 
right? In a three month time period. And if I fail, I'll work for free for up to an additional three more months. And okay. if I fail after six total months, I'll refund all the money you spent on. Me. All right. Now I'm going to pick that apart a little bit. Okay. So not all cases have clients walking in the door with cash. Some True. cases are complete contingency fee. Some yep. by law, some just because the way it is. So mm -hmm. how do you use that metric in your offer in the way you guys work? Oh, yeah. No, it's easy. We work with contingency people all the time. Anybody who's done contingency, um, the name of the game is you, uh, you've got to get good at predicting your revenue. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> you can't, mm -hmm. A lot of people can't start a PI firm on year one because they can't survive two years of no cash flow, right? Right. Um, and if they can, and then great, they've got the money and they're, they're fine the last two years and they get the number and they can make that prediction, right? Uh, so anybody who's contingency, by the time they come to me and they are contingency, they know their typical cash flow. They know that if they get a case, you know, if they get five cases in a month, they know likely three of those five will turn into cash paying out. Right, and right. those three will have this much cash payout, right? So at the end of the day, my guarantee is an honored guarantee in a sense that like you could lie to me at any point. Right. Like there's, there's no way Like you could tell me at any point, anybody I work with say, I didn't close anything. I made nothing. Right. I've got no way to know that. Right. There's no, there's no perfect way to completely track this, to make sure no one is screwing each other. Right. This isn't a blockchain. I can't guarantee the transaction. Right. Like, you know, at the end of the day, it's a guarantee of how I want to treat you though, and how I expect you to treat me and that we're going to work together on a partnership to make sure that this is making you money. So when I work with somebody in contingency, it's just, Hey man, you work in contingency, you know what your numbers are. Let's make sure that by the end of this, you feel like you're likely to have come out and made that money. And if you haven't, and I have it happen sometimes, you know, not very often, but it happens and I, I keep going and we work, right? I've never had to refund. We always make profitability within a time period fairly soon. Um, but the point is, you know, it's an honor guarantee, right? And we work with people to make it happen. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I, I really do appreciate you sharing that and everything that we've talked about today. Can you tell us, Ronnie, where can people find you? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, noblemarketing.co, that's in as in Nancy, O, B as in bull, U-L-L. -L marketing.co and no, it's not.com. I will purchase the .com soon. Don't worry. It's on my bucket list of things to do. I really want that.com. It's just a bit of a brokerage and a lot of money. So uh, I'll make it happen. Uh, and then otherwise you're welcome to email me at rdever, which is R as in Roger, D as in dog, E-A, B as in Victor, E-R at noblemarketing.co. Well, I'll be sure to have all this in our show notes and more and anything else that you'd like to provide our listeners. But again, I want to thank you for being here and have a great day. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the TechSavvyLawyer.page podcast. Our next episode will be posted in about two weeks. If you have any ideas about a future episode, please contact me at michaeldj at the TechSavvyLawyer.page. Have a great day and happy luring.